Hello, 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 all you beautiful people. I'm Amber Enerson. And I'm Kelsey Enerson. And this is our podcast, You Are the Alchemist, where we talk about all things mental health and a fun and relatable way and how we can use that to help improve our lives and life satisfaction. Um, This week's episode is going to be on how anxiety affects our stomach, our spleen, and our pancreas, and how all of these things are actually tied in together. So we're going to be doing this from a Western medicine perspective and an Eastern medicine perspective because the Western medicine perspective doesn't acknowledge the spleen as a vital part of this, whereas the Eastern um, method uses the spleen as like the source of emotional worry and our red blood cells and our life force. And that is a little bit of an introduction. I'm going to go through these in like three separate areas because they're both are they're all three different organs and they each have different information for each of those ones. So the spleen is actually our mode of survival and it's responsible for the survival instinct and our stomach is what fuels our body. And the pancreas is what creates the enzymes to break down our food so that we get the nutrients that we need. And anxiety is often a result of feeling like we're not going to be able to survive uncertainty and like we may not be able to survive a situation that we don't really know the outcome for. So anxiety can be present for all of us, but especially present in a chronic way is what will affect our organs the most. Right, because you're always in that like fight or flight. Right. And yeah. And the fight or flight mode keeps your body in like an upcharged Manner. So you don't really have time to rest or digest or process anything. Yeah. So uh, the spleen is what creates the red blood cells and helps keep our body clean. So often if our spleen is having issues, we won't have a very good immune system and we'll also be experiencing a lot of fatigue and anemia. Those are the two symptoms that the Western and Eastern method actually agree on is that fatigue and anemia can be a result of anxiety and high anxiety levels. Right. And the spleen is associated with our emotional worries. And when it can't receive the nutrients it needs, it's actually incapable of converting the blood, the food into blood. So then we're not getting the fuel that the stomach is trying to give us. And the pancreas is not breaking down the food for us to be able to feel that. So it really affects specifically our immune system, but every functioning of our life in general, our energy levels, our blood, our immune system, how health goes from day to day. Yeah. Well, they're all intertwined. Yeah. And then with anxiety in the stomach, this is the one where most of you have heard most commonly, probably, because it's very well established that the gut and brain health are actually combined. So... Western doctors will even take medical issues that are persistent and chronic and recommend that that patient be uh, seen, I guess, referred to a psychologist. Yeah. Or yeah, a counselor. When I was having all my stomach issues, they ran all the tests and did all the things, and they couldn't find anything specifically wrong with me. And so they uh, said that I should see someone to get on an antidepressant because my anxiety was more than likely what was causing all my stomach issues. Right. So that right there goes to show that those two are definitely associated. And if those two are associated, then it would, I'd venture to say that everything else can also be affected by that. 
And when stress and anxiety are left unchecked, it actually erodes the lining of the digestive tract, which is what causes a lot of stomach pain, heartburn, constipation, nausea, vomiting. Um, it also can prevent you from being able to digest your food and then you're malnourished, even though, like, even if you're a healthy weight, your body can be malnourished, even with that being the case. Yeah. Um, sorry, I spaced out. <laughs> um, yeah, continue. Okay. Uh, other symptoms that you might experience if you're having issues with your stomach or your spleen is that you're going to be experiencing fatigue, headache, dizziness, and musculoskeletal pain. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, all of, not that specifically, but a lot of those symptoms can also be presented with other diseases as well. So don't just, we're not, we're not saying just blame all that on anxiety. So if there is a concern, obviously go to the doctor if you're having a lot of those symptoms and they're not getting better. Right. Because if, if they're, and that was in the research done, is actually like signs that you do need to see a doctor. And one of those is like chest pain, um, lightheadedness to the point where you aren't able to function or you're passing out, uh, blood in your stool, um, black tarry stool is also another sign that there's most likely another medical condition going on. Yeah, I don't think that that comes from anxiety. So. No, no. And then you do have to remember, too, that anxiety is present in every single person. It's a vital part of us to help us survive in situations where we are in danger or where we could be in danger. Anxiety is actually good for us in that sense, but it's when it is chronic and it's unchecked and it's not dealt with and it's not processed that it actually starts to really damage your body because all of those emotions are just energy in motion and all that energy is trapped inside your body. So it is normal to experience anxiety, but when you're experiencing anxiety to a very severe extent and to the extent that it is affecting your day-to-day -day functions, then that's also a good time to go see a therapist, a counselor, a psychologist, and see if there is something else that you could be doing as well as a medical doctor because all of these things are correlated. But this information is mostly to help you guys fill in the gaps because a lot of Western medicine will only treat symptoms. They don't do anything that has to do with preventative measures or even reversing damage that has been done previously. They are only here to deal with the here and now what your physical body is experiencing. They're not going to be talking about your emotions not being processed or not working through your sadness or your anxieties or not working through your fears. Those are not things that a medical doctor is going to tell you, but all of those things severely affect your bodily functions and your bodily health. Yeah, and that's why I advise anyone I talk to that if they feel like they're having anxiety or depression or something like that to not go to their general practitioner because they're not um, they're not as schooled in it as a psychologist or a therapist or something like that. And they'll most likely put you on medication. They'll just put you on a script and send you on your way. Yeah. And that was, I mean, with my ADHD, that was pretty much what it was for me. Yeah. They were like, okay, you have ADHD. Here's a prescription. I didn't do any assessments or anything. And it, I mean, that was the issue. So they do have good knowledge, but 
I think that there were more things that were contributing to that because once my environment changed, my ADHD symptoms changed. Yeah, and psychologists and therapists will also give you things to help you manage or even overcome anxiety other than just prescriptions. They'll give you right. the tools you need, whereas a general practitioner is not going to walk you through that stuff. Right, and it's important to see our bodies as a machine. Our body is a machine and everything affects everything else. Just like a warehouse is not going to be able to function if there is a bolt missing on a line in the tower. The warehouse can't function. Right. Even though there's only one bolt missing, it's not going to be able to run effectively. And that's how our body is too. So even if it is a medical condition or it is a mental health condition or it is something diagnosed by a doctor, it also is to work in conjunction with our emotions and processing our emotions because our pro not processing our emotions can actually delay healing in severe ways, even on a physical level. And when, so the two diseases that are most associated with anxiety in the stomach is IBS and GERD. And GERD is actually what will cause muscle tension, which is something that you also experience with anxiety. And that's why you, you could sometimes get musculoskeletal pain because you're in constant states. Yeah, you're, when you're anxious, you, you're usually tensing up because you're trying to protect yourself or you just can't control what's going on around you. So you tense your body up and then that'll cause muscle pain. Right. And stomach acid is also increased with IBS and GERD, which is what affects the lining of your stomach. So... Um, some of the things that they do recommend for this and a lot of the research I have been doing is acupuncture, which acupuncture is for inflammation. I knew that one, but it's actually used for a lot of different things as well. And then ginger in your food or ginger in your tea, just ginger in something that you ingest will help cleanse your blood and balance out your stomach as well. Then yeah. re reducing your sugar intake. Yeah, stuff like that. Um. Changing your diet to increase probiotics is another recommendation um, because the probiotics will help your gut stay healthier. Yeah, and if you don't want to take probiotics, there's always the option of, uh, like, the Greek non-fat yogurt. That's a good uh, substitute if you don't want to take probiotics. Yeah, that was actually, like, they give you, like, diet recommendations when I was doing the research, and that was actually one of the things they recommended highly. And kefir... And any type, like beans, beans was also another one that they recommended. Um, and avoiding excessive caffeine is another one that you can do because caffeine is a stimulant. And yeah, and it'll keep you wired. And it keeps you in that fight or flight mode as yeah. well because your body knows that it needs to be produced or it needs to be performing. And so, a lot of times with caffeine comes a lot of sugar, depending on, I know some people drink the like zero sugar stuff, but. Or even coffee. If you're ingesting like you can drink black coffee, but yeah. you can still have excessive amounts of caffeine. Right. So that's a very good point is that a lot of that comes with higher sugar. So then increases that even more because that messes with your dopamine receptors. Right. Because you're always looking for that high that you get from the sugar. And then you keep eating the refined sugars and you'll crash when you do that. Yeah. You can and most people are addicted to sugar. Absolutely. Unfortunately. And caffeine. Yeah. And uh, any other substance. Yeah. Pretty much. I get a headache when I don't drink caffeine. 
you can be addicted to food. You can be addicted to work. You can be addicted to running. You can be addicted to stress. You can be addicted to anything that is a crutch for dealing with unprocessed emotions can become an addiction if it's not monitored. It goes even beyond substances and unhealthy substances and narcotics. But I'm taking an addictions class in my school right now. So, (laughs) yeah. So I've been doing research on, like, everything that affects addiction and being in a defective state of mind. And it's a lot of different things. You can be addicted to anything that becomes a crutch because the majority of the time you're trying to numb something or distract yourself from acknowledging something. So then it becomes an addiction. And, I mean, it feels good. It feels good when you're caffeinated and you're able to perform and function at higher levels than what you would normally be because then you accomplish a lot and that boosts your confidence. So then you keep in taking it and in taking it and then end up becoming addicted, just like nicotine. You become addicted to nicotine because you like how it feels when you get to relax and take a deep breath. That is true. Sadly, there is no such addiction for water, because if there was, we would be so much healthier people. I think we would. But it's usually the things that aren't very good for us, or that aren't good for us in excess, because your body has to have time to recover and reset. And when you're constantly pushing it to perform with caffeine and stimulants and different things like that, your body doesn't have time to rest, which means it's not healing. Uh, As far as also other physical things you can do is meditation. Meditation is huge for any type of mental health because it gives your brain the time to reset. And then uh, deep breathing is another one. Uh, Yoga is also very good at that because it takes your focus and it places it on to balance and different things like that. So you're not focusing on everything that could go wrong. You're only focusing on the present moment. And what your body needs to do next in order to successfully complete a yoga pose. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the ones that I thought was the most interesting was the progressive muscle relaxation, which I found really fascinating because a lot of people don't know about it. And it's something that you can do literally from anywhere. And it's where you'll go, like you'll tense your feet and then you'll release them. And then you'll tense your calf muscle and you'll release it. Then you'll tense your thigh muscle. You'll release that. Your uh, your butt. Yeah. I, I was going to try and be scientific with it. Yes, Maximus. I was trying to be scientific with it, but because there's a specific term and I can't remember it right now. But then you would tense that. Then you would tense like the muscles throughout your body, your stomach, your ribs, your shoulders, your neck. Just go all the way up your body and then go all the way back down. And then after you're done with that, take a deep breath so that you release everything. And that could actually dial down your anxiety a huge amount and your stress. It helps relieve stress, too. It also gives you something else to focus on besides what you're anxious about. Right. (laughs) That's true. Because trying to go through all of your muscle systems and only use one of them at a time is very challenging. Yeah. But I like it because then it's like, okay. And it also gives you a sense of control. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it but it gives you a sense of control because a lot of times when you're anxious, you feel out of control and knowing that you can control a specific thing when you want to would give you back that yeah, sense of control. Sounds like a good coping mechanism. Yeah. See, and I didn't even think of that before. So then that's covering the stomach and the spleen. 
The pancreas is what's next, and the pancreas is actually what creates the digestive enzymes that the stomach needs to break down food, that the spleen needs to be able to use that food to create blood. So that's how they're all linked. The pancreas creates the enzymes, the stomach uses those enzymes to break down food, and then the spleen will take those broken down particles of food and create new red blood cells, which then increases your immune system. Didn't know you'd be taking a biology class with this, did you? I know. We got, we got it all. We got biology. We got psychology. We got Eastern medicine. We got Western medicine. We got all kinds of stuff here. This is the most I've ever learned about biology. <laughs> um, and when your pancreas is not creating those digestive enzymes, it actually triggers uh, triggers inflammation. And inflammation is and swelling in your body. And then that can actually lead to things like inflammatory bowel disease, diabetes, celiac disease, and several types of cancers because your body can't ever recover when it's constantly inflamed. That doesn't sound like fun. No, but that's why it's important because you wouldn't even know that all of these things are connected and that all of that is also connected to your mental health if somebody doesn't tell you. Yeah. Because they don't tell you all of this. Mental health has a huge effect on... All physical ailments, I think. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's certain things that, like, I had herniated discs. I doubt my anxiety caused those, but... But your herniated discs could have resulted from that part of your body having to work harder because another part of your body was too tense as a result of your anxiety. Could be, yeah. So, I mean, you could really look at... I'm not saying it's the only cause, because I don't believe that. I don't believe it's the only contributing factor, but I believe it's a huge contributing factor. Yeah. Because any time a part of your body or a part of the machine is not working properly, the rest of your body has to work harder than what it's designed to. Yeah. So that There's could... There's also people that are born with diseases too, though. Yes. Which that could... I don't, who knows? That could stem from the mother's anxiety. Which is true. <laughs> I don't know. Because genetics come from the mother's blood and your mental state when you are producing that blood actually affects the composition of that blood. Like, you can change the composition of blood by changing your mental perspective. It's been, it's been studied. I can't remember. Dr. Mm-hmm. Dr. Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza is one of the ones who performed that study. That's interesting. And was part of that study. And that is a little more on the holistic spiritual side of things, but he is a celebrated doctor, and it was, it was performed in a lab, these experiments were. And they were literally able to change the composition of blood in a vial in their hand just by the thoughts that they were having while they were holding that vial. That sounds kind of wild. It, it's, but it's documented. I, I don't know if I buy that. but It's scientifically documented. Maybe you they can were look aliens. Maybe. I don't think Dr. Joe Dispenza is an alien. How would but, you know? Well, I don't know. It's a possibility, I suppose. They're all among us. That's true. That's true. All right. But moving on, it does go to show you how much your mindset can affect your health, though. Even if the whole changing oh, yeah. the blood I composition. I believe that your mindset has a huge impact on what happens in your life. So pretty much the breakdown of all of this is that emotional stress and anxiety keeps the stomach and pancreas from producing enzymes, which means you're not getting the nutrients you need to the spleen to create new blood cells, which will then prevent the body from having clean blood. And when your body doesn't have clean blood, every single functioning in your body is going to be uh, affected, detrimentally affected by it. 
And when that anxiety and stress is chronic and it's a constant state of it and you're not able to process it, then that is when those symptoms will continue to get worse and worse and worse because anxiety is a debilitating disease when it is not addressed, when it's not dealt with, and when you don't have healthy ways to cope with it. It can be debilitating. Absolutely. So to go through how this can all be fixed or options for fixing it, one of the ways is enzyme replacement therapy, which is something you would have to get from a medical doctor, which they would put into your spleen to help replace the enzymes that are being lost through your digestive system not working properly. Another one is eating for nutrition instead of enjoyment. I know that that is hard and it sucks. Yeah, I don't like that. And it's not about dieting, but it is about putting nutrient-rich foods into your body. Even if you do it in like a morning shake, like Instead of like Cheetos. Yeah. I like Cheetos. Yeah, but you also eat other things with I it. I do. So it's not like you're I eat only ice cream eating Cheetos. <laughs> I swear. I'm I kidding. swear we are not related. Oh, you're <laughs> full of shit. I do love ice cream though. Yeah, so I know I you do. Really, I can't really argue that. And I do not eat healthy things with my ice cream. No. 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 I, I definitely do eat fruits and vegetables. I honestly try to stay away from a lot of meat too yep just because of the shit that they put in the meat but yeah meat and when it is free range and doesn't have stuff in there is better but it still is getting all the stuff from the ground as well yeah and there's all kinds of ways they can work around the free range thing and all of that there's there's so many loopholes so i mean your best option is to buy from a local farmer yes and a lot of them will sell, like, whole cows. Yeah. Like, they'll yeah. butcher them and everything. My in-laws buy, like, a whole cow every year. Um, and then tapping into your support system. So I know as hard as it is, it's very, very important to tap into people around you that can support you, whether that's your counselor, your therapist, your partner, your parents, your sister, your best friend. I have so many people in my life that I can do that with. And that's a very, very important part because sometimes they can help you work through something or you can talk with them through something. And if you're at a point where you feel like you don't have a strong support system, uh, whether you're you're not on good terms with your family, you, your friends aren't understanding, there are tons of support groups, even on Facebook, that like I have connected to that can also offer support. You can post questions. You can vent all, all kinds of stuff. There there are always options. You are never alone. Right. That is something to remember all the time. Um, and then lastly is finding time to unwind. Uh, because a lot of times throughout the day, we are so go, 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 go all the time that we take no minutes for ourselves at all. And it is amazing what even a five-minute journaling practice or a five-minute meditation or five minutes just sitting in the silence yeah. will do for you. A, a thing that I like to do is, like, if I get home after work or if I've just had a long day, I'll just sit in my car and I'll, I'll put on a song and just, like, submerge myself in the song. Like, yep. I, I don't think about anything else. I just think about the lyrics. I feel the beat. Yeah. And I just do that sometimes two, three songs, you know? And, yep. and, and you just take in that time to let go of everything that you had to deal with today. Exactly. Um, And then some of the questions you can ask yourself is, how well is your digestive system working? 
So like if you notice throughout the day that you're eating and you don't feel full, that's a good sign that you're probably not getting the nutrition you need. Or you have a tapeworm. Or you have a tapeworm. <laughs> but I used to where? be so terrified of getting a tapeworm because of this story that a missionary do you remember that? Yes. The kid had his a kid tapeworm. Had a tapeworm. Yeah, and they put a raw piece of yeah, meat out in the tapeworm. tapeworm. Yeah. Oh my god. That, yep. that scarred me. I swear to God, that <laughs> scarred me because I have been terrified. But at least they got the tapeworm out. Yeah, but imagine a tapeworm crawling out of a, your child's mouth to I'm, go get. I'm some sure the child was sleeping. No, fuck that shit. <laughs> no. Um. But it could be either of those. We're not qualified to tell you whether you have a tapeworm or not. So, you know, yeah. that that's something you might want to go to the doctor. <laughs> um, how is your relationship with letting things go physically or emotionally? Because often not letting go is what causes the most damage to us when it comes to emotions or even physical health. Because if we hold on to emotions for too long, that'll start affecting our physical health. Yeah, trauma can attach to many parts of your body. Yes, every single every single part of your body. It can be your knee, your shoulder, your, I mean. Gut. And if you're into the holistic stuff, I would recommend, uh, like, Reiki sessions. Yeah. Uh, they also have a motion code. I love Reiki sessions. you can go Reiki through, sessions. like, trapped emotions. Um, if, that's, if that's what you're into, I understand a lot of people are not, but... That is an it. option. Acupuncture as well. Acupuncture is a scientifically studied thing, and it is still holistic, but it helps release emotions that you don't have to consciously release. And then on the last question is, how do you feel about sitting still? Because there is actually a test done or a study done on a group of people. On They could either sit for 15 minutes, sit still in a dark room, and have nothing else going on and just sit in the silence or they could get electric shock and the electric shock was a healthy amount of it it wasn't one that would be damaging physically and the people were voluntary it was not an involuntary experiment but for the people in that group 60% of men decided that they would rather get electric shock than sit in a room by themselves for 15 minutes and 40% of women decided that they would rather get electric shock than sit in a room by themselves in you know, silence. You mentioned this before, and I definitely thought that I would sit in that room. But thinking about it now, uh, I feel like I would get like post-traumatic stress from that because remember when we'd have to when we would get detention at the church school, we'd have yeah. to sit still in a room for like 20, 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, but that's when I would count. I would count, okay. or I would go through. Scriptures that I was memorizing. Why? Look what? At the yeah, I'm definitely not going to do that. It went real fast. I'm it just saying, fast. like, we had to sit on a chair with our hands folded and stare ahead of us. And, like, we weren't allowed to move. But we could, you could move. No. Not I, in detention. I'm talking about in the study. Oh. Okay. You could move around in your seat, well, you but you had to sit for 15 room. minutes. Why a dark room? Because the dark room turns your eyes off. Oh. It, it keeps any type of distraction. Shit, I just fall asleep. I'm so tired all the time. And, the, I mean, <laughs> for me, I meditate 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, my meditations are 20 to 30 minutes. So, I, sitting I for 15 minutes. I think if you minutes, asked me a couple years ago, I would take the electric shock. But I think I'm, I'm a little bit more comfortable with the thoughts in my head now that I think that I can do it. 
Well, and you've also cultivated that capability and trust in yourself that you can sit with your emotions. And I think that is a big reason that people don't want to sit still because the more still you are, the more quiet you are, the more you think. Yep. And I still get in those, you know, I've been off work since my surgery and I I still get in those uh, time periods where my mind is just going, going, going. Right. Which then makes it difficult. And it's understandable. But if you would be the one that would choose electric shock over sitting in the room by yourself, then it may be an indication that there is emotional things to work through and process or anxious things, but in a safe way. If you need to do it with a support, do it with a support, a therapist, a counselor. If you need to do it on your own, do it on your own. I have to do things on my own. I don't do well with a counselor. There's a lot of prompted journals, too. Yeah. And when I was going through the thick of it, like when I was really having a hard time, I had four journals and you would take like two minutes on each page. And yep. I would, I would, I would go through all, all four of the prompted journals. Cause I'm not good at just like spewing stuff. Yeah. Like I have to have a prompt. So I would have these four journals that I would journal in every night and it would literally only take me like 10 minutes. But I kept learning more and more things about myself, and I kept realizing where certain things come from. So that is a huge option, even if you just get one journal and spend five minutes on it. Like, I know that people are busy. I know that we're all busy. But five minutes before bed is not going to hurt you because you're probably just going to sit there thinking about shit anyways. It's true. (laughs) And if you journal, then you're not going to have those things to think about, even if there's other things to think about, because those thoughts are already out on paper. So that's an excellent point and one that I highly recommend. I love journaling. Anyways, I would say that's about it for this week. Next week, uh, it will be delayed a couple days because I'm going to be out of town until Sunday. Yeah, and we're not going to have a chance to record, uh, so it might be midweek before we get it. But we are going to go over grief and how it affects the lungs specifically, but also how it affects the body in general and what grief is more than just what we think it is in our mind. There's right. a lot of different levels to You grieve. can grieve about a lot of things. Yeah. So that's going to be a good one. Uh, if you like this episode or it helped you or you think it could help someone else you know, please share it with them. If you have any questions, concerns, suggestions, email us or message us. We're always here for you and we're here to support you. And until next time, I hope you have a great week. See ya.